Looking for coffee that can finally give you the flavor and experience you have been missing? Then your next coffee order should come from SeasStateCoffee.com. SeasState Coffee is premium, hand-selected, highest-grade available coffee that is roasted, on order, delivered fresh to you. And right now, you can take 10% off your order by using the code GRIND10. That's G-R-I-N-D and the number 10 for 10% off your SeasState Coffee order. Head over to SeasStateCoffee.com so you can enjoy the smoothest and most caffeinated coffee available. Start your day off right with SeasState Coffee. This week on the Route 16 Grind, in the outdoor update, I will cover laying the hammer. States are taking strict action on illegal hunting practices. And from the field, I will talk about late season turkey tips for tight lips. Instructor One from Riker USA covers accuracy, aggression, and speed using both paper and steel targets. In Rock, Mud, and Dirt, Brian provides a big-picture look at events. In a special edition, Brian is interviewed by Radical Podcast, hosted by Georgia Libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate, Shane Hazel. Then we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. Route 16 Grind, Episode 23, The Grind Gets Radical! The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by C-State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. The Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. I'm Ethan, here with Brian. What's going on, man? Oh, man, I am so excited to be doing this show. We got a great show in store for everybody. Yeah, we had to miss last week. We had power issues. You were on the road with your family. I mean, it was just crazy stuff going on. And you know, it was my call to say, hey, look, I'm just not going to go put us through this craziness because with all them storms coming through, uh, you know, my house kept losing power and stuff, and I just didn't want to mess around with it. So it's my fault. I'm, uh, I just was lazy, I guess. Yeah, here I am out of town trying to get a turkey, and you have me freaked out thinking there's tornadoes going over my house. Oh man, dude! (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, Brad got one or something. I don't. I don't know, man. Who knows? Yeah, you only know what social media tells you, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know. But everything's good, guys. We're back. We're excited. Like you said, we got a good one for you. We've got a vast array of topics this week, and uh, I think you guys will like it. So stay tuned. Hey, guess what? We have a review to share with our listeners this week. It is from Bama Country Boy on Apple Podcasts. He says, great podcast. Love the mix of outdoors content from wheeling to hunting. I'll always enjoy the podcast and it is, it is in my weekly rotation. Well, Bama Country Boy, thank you so much for that review. Really appreciate it. And you know what? You all need to get out there on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Leave us a review as well. We appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help out the show is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. 
This helps us grow the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update. This is the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent going-ons in the outdoor world. And today, I'm going to cover states that aren't taking any BS on poaching. Let me just pull up my notes here. Uh, First, I'm going to talk about, this is actually something that Brian found and shared with me, and it was a really good read. It's a Nebraska man and his crew of cronies got sentenced to some felonious charges and a plethora of fines um, for the illegal uh, harvesting of wildlife. There was a Phelps County man. He's 29 years old. He was sentenced to jail time after multiple deer hunting violations. Uh, This was under investigations for several hunting seasons, but got prosecuted in the 2019 season. Uh, He pled guilty to 12 counts, including five counts of bagging uh, deer out of seasons and over deer regulations. uh, One count of attempted tampering with evidence and false reporting. Um, Over $22,000 in liquidated damages and a three-year suspension and revocation of hunting, fishing, and trapping privileges. Uh, Like I said, there was about four else of his posse that got uh, multiple hundreds and thousands of dollars of fines for similar offenses uh, for being accessories, too. Man, I tell you what, you know, years ago, this probably would have just got swept under the rug. Uh, maybe some small fines from the game commission, but I tell you what, escalation to felonies, I am enthralled with. I think that this is a good example that the game commission and, you know, um, local law enforcement authorities are setting. Uh, unfortunately for them, you know, they had a slew of charges, which, you know, they, they definitely, they definitely did not take that lightly, um, it's it's just good to see them holding offenders accountable. Um, it's good to see that you know the conservation efforts and taxpaying dollars that you know you put towards it as a good ethical hunter and conservationist is uh, actually being put to good use. So I'm definitely enthralled to see that they're you know taking things seriously. They're actually putting people behind bars that deserve it. Um, this is ultimately paving the way for better conservation efforts. You know that. You always say take a kid hunting. You always say that, you know, you want to you want a future. You want a future in the industry for the wildlife um, to be able to make and share those memories. And uh, I'm just excited to see that, Brian. What do you think? Laying the hammer. No, I'm glad to hear about that. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Ethical hunting preserves the future. Uh, It also encourages others to get out there. Yeah, I'm glad to see there. There's accountability, and 
with, with what's going on and, and on top of it con- just the conservation of, of the uh, the population out there and doing the right thing and uh, yeah it, this is a great story and and we'll make sure to have the link in the show notes so you can read the full story as well but I'm very happy that there is going to be accountability here it's something that we on the show obviously um, focus on and, and don't take lightly and uh, it's no different in our own personal hunting practices. Yeah. So one bullet point I actually had that I had left out there, Brian, because I wanted this to be a uh, like an open discussion. What are your thoughts on how state guidelines can improve ethics? So one example I had that kind of aligns with this is Pennsylvania about which, if you guys don't know, was a, where I do a majority of my hunting, family farmlands, etc., um, implemented about 15 or so years ago uh, antler restrictions. So at first, a lot of the people were like, oh, man, you know, because deer meat's deer meat, let's be honest, but who doesn't want to kill that trophy buck? So what that entailed was it was 16, I believe, was years or older, Don't quote me on that. It was either 16 or 18. I believe it was 16. You had to abide by the points restriction. So obviously that left an opportunity for youth hunters to be able to harvest a spike of over three inches or more, et cetera, et cetera. So by WMUs, which is like basically county boundaries for how they break up um, the different um, hunting regions in Pennsylvania, Depended on the variance of the points restriction. So the the couple WMUs that I actually actively hunt in had either a three or a four point uh, point restriction. So what that meant was on one side of the deer's antlers, it either had to have four up or three up, not counting a brow tine. So that would essentially make it, as you can follow, a six or an eight point, etc. Um, so what that has done has actually you know, for the, I would probably say 90% of people that, you know, are good ethical law abiding hunters. Um, it has created some bigger deer. I've definitely saw in the last decade or so, you know, some bigger deer being harvested and that's across, you know, statewide. I've watched some of the, you know, the people that have reported it and had it scored by game wardens and stuff like that. So it's definitely a good, uh, implement of, a guideline that has improved ethics. Unfortunately, you still have, you know, poachers and people who participate in illegal activities. But I think that was one good thing that, you know, could be implemented that is a guideline that has improved the conservation efforts and ethics. And, you know, as a side note, it's, it's made bigger deer. I mean, what, how do you you think for me, I'm looking at this way, uh, is, is at the, Getting the education out there is most important. Uh, the biologists, the, the wildlife management officials, and utilizing a lot of the organizations, you know, the QDMA, uh, various other, you know, outdoor and hunting hunters associations that are out there um, that can assist with this and put science into it. Hey, what's going to help sustain the longevity of of the population, uh, what makes sense versus it's just bureaucracy. What I don't want is bureaucracy and emotion, uh, just deciding, oh, well, hey, we're just going to implant this because, you know, we're, we're harvesting too many. Well, are we or are we not? And that, that to me comes in where, what does get the community involved and let them understand that, hey, you're a part of this process. That's one great thing I loved about what is happening this year with North Carolina when they're doing all the reviews, putting out all that stuff, uh, polls, everything. Yeah, hey, get some feedback. Um, 
you got to get involved. And if you're a hunter, you need to be involved. That's probably the best thing. You can't just be the guy that complains uh, and says, well, I can't believe this thing's happening. Well, what are you doing? Are you getting involved? Are you letting someone know your voice? Are you, you know, just going to the local lodge and hanging out with your buddies just to complain? If you're just a complainer, then you know what? Then that's all you are. Uh, be a person that gets involved, advocates, educates. Um, that's what helps build uh, an, uh, a good foundation of solid hunting, uh, creates a realistic approach to what we should be doing as a state, as a county, uh, as a community uh, for good hunting practices because we don't want these populations to go away. We really don't. And we don't want the opportunity to hunt to go away. Um, I'm excited that one day we might be able to hunt elk here in North Carolina. Well, that would not happen if you didn't have all these different organizations, all these different people involved into the science of it, not just, hey, we want this. We're just going to drop a bunch of elk and make, you know, they got to be sustained. It's got to happen. So that's my uh, soapbox and all that. I like it. When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field, and this week we talk tight lip turkey tips. Oh, guys, so with the whirlwind that has been my life these last couple months, <laughs> moving, transitioning, etc., I did not get to get my foot in the door with North Carolina's turkey season. So, a uh, lot of remorse there. And with all the confidence that I spewed for Pennsylvania's turkey season, uh, that was just false advertising. So, <laughs> I'm going to talk a little bit about my last week in Pennsylvania for the 2020 spring gobbler season. So, uh, my peoples and I, we go up to Pennsylvania, stay at our family farm. Um, my dad actually had a successful turkey season this year. He had a nice, big, thick 10 inch gobbler. So, you know, I was feeling pretty confident. I thought I could get a good scouting report and he could put me on the birds. So I thought, um, so he got that gobbler in about the first two weeks. So, some of the challenges I'm going to cover as well as share, you know, what I just had been through in the last week. Um, I'm going to go into late season call familiarity. So it may be slightly dependent regionally. And also there's a lot of things that go into this, your population, you know, your uh, urban, rural, et cetera, uh, setting. And then, you know, like your hunt pressure, et cetera. So, you know, for my family's farm, there's not a ton of hunting pressure, obviously just my father and I. And, um, but he had been out there for the first two weeks, you know, until he got his bird. So the, the flock had already become pretty familiar to, uh, calls. And when I would get out there and I would hit the calls, you could hear them. They were about a ridge or two over, uh, not on our property, but you know, they were very, very, very selective and very quiet as to, you know, what these birds chose to respond to. So, you know, that told me that what am I having to do to dive deeper into why? So, you know, not only is there hunting pressure, but I started to realize that when I trapped, when I was a kid growing up the farm, I would trap and we were very successful with coyotes, foxes, raccoons, etc. So with me being gone for about 15 years now and no one else trapping the property, 
it dawned on me that there is probably a larger population of these varmints that is pressuring these birds. So, you know, for those of you that don't know, a fox will actually mimic something that sounds similar to a turkey as part of a, um, you know, stalking technique in order to, you know, hunt these birds, part of the food chain. Um, so with the combination of some hunting pressure, smart, mature birds and predator animals, I realized quickly that this was not going to be a normal turkey hunt of calling and response and, you know, a setup and execution. So, you know, with that, you got to know your land and you have to know what to look for. So when I had to go back to the drawing board, I had to realize that I didn't, I hadn't been here in a while, nor did my father know where the roost was. I couldn't find a roost. I scouted enough to where I, you know, was able to become more familiar with the land, but I just didn't have the, t- you know, the preseason time to put in as well as the time to, you know, kind of draw up a complete plan. So I, I was trying to look for some scratch. I was trying to look for, you know, a roost. And it just, it's hard to pattern birds when you don't have a huge flock and you don't have that much time. So I did locate some areas where the turkeys were feeding, were scratching, they call it. Um, in the hardwoods, you can see where the turkeys kind of uh, fluff up the leaves and such, you know, looking for grubs and stuff like that. So I did find some of those and I did find a small group of turkeys, two jakes and a handful of hens. So what that told me was those big mature gobblers just had, you know, moved on. They were kind of doing their own thing. Maybe there was only that one per this property. Maybe the the flock's kind of getting diminished, you know. So I need to actually do some more analysis before fall turkey season and especially next year and seeing what types of, you know, things that I can do to, you know, better emulate success in the future. Uh, It brings me to my next point. When I did find these birds, I could get them in close. I wasn't going to harvest a Jake. I mean, that's, that's just me. We're talking three inches or something like that, especially with what I just said, you know, I want to make sure these birds have the opportunity to grow up. Um, and become, you know, nice mature gobblers, big toms in the future. But what I had learned was they don't like, they don't like hearing too much. I was essentially taking, cause I saw these birds on two different occasions throughout the week. Uh, I was taking the approach of, uh, hit them with a long call, do a location, um, kind of flank them just a little bit and then just do some soft, you know, young hen chirps. And that got them into about 40 ish yards. Good enough to where I had, you know, you get that rush, that excitement, even though I knew I wasn't going to shoot. Um, you know, it, it just, it just showed me kind of their mannerisms and their characteristics. So a couple soft chirps got them in, but I realized that they would halt if I started to talk too much. So, Hey, I'm just throwing it out there. It's my point. Don't talk too much. Sometimes you just have to shut up and listen and let them come to you. Uh, Sometimes you need to just back out. Uh, If this were a mature gobbler, seeing the way that they acted, there was a couple times to where I realized that if he was hung the way that these birds were and with how alert that these hens were looking for any sign of movement, very, very edgy. Um, I would have just backed out. I would have taken a 200 yard hiatus back and then I would have started over, you know, just to get them comfortable and not let them, you know, feel that something was off. Something was fake. Uh, 
And then there, you know, another approach to that, and this is a gamble and I can't tell you what decision I would have made if I was trying to execute a shot. Sometimes you need to push. Um, there's a big, uh, I don't know if you want to call it following, but there is a big, uh, push right now for people to use, you know, fans or decoys. And there's a lot of dudes on YouTube. They're pretty cool videos. Check them out that are pushing these birds, these stubborn hung gobblers that are just strutting and they're just outside of range for you. You know, they're hiding behind a fan or a decoy and they're skull dragging up to shooting range for these. I actually saw a funny video um, somebody sent me of a guy just seeing how close he could get. And there was this, you know, in-betweener, Jake to Tom, probably six, seven-inch beard, couple-year-old bird. He was just flogging this decoy. And he was so emphatic about, you know, this fight that a gentleman actually took a, you know, a beard, a fan, and, um, you know, got up next to him and was able to grab this this bird by the feet. And... uh uh, that just shows you that when they're locked on something, there's not a lot you can do to change their mind. A couple other things I want to bring up to decoy or not to decoy. So I went about 50-50. I know Brian touched on this too. Um, people have success with both. Uh, that really comes down to your region, your demographic of birds, whether they like them or not. Some, it'll freak them out. Some days, it, you know, they'll come right into them. So I, I can't really give much perspective on that. I think that you know, it's going to be situational dependent and it's going to depend on the time of year and, you know, your exact flock. And then of course there's those bow hunter problems. So I actually did a practice draw on these birds just to, just to test, you know, just to kind of give me one of those little man card tests just to see how good I was. And, uh, you know, if that was a Tom, I, I could have very easily, you know, executed that shot. Um, but if you're going to, whether it's a gun, uh, if you're shotgun hunting for them or whatever your choice of weapon is, or especially a bow, turkeys have like super x-ray vision. If you don't, (laughs) if you guys aren't familiar, they don't hear all that well, but man, do they see well. And, you know, to get that bow to full draw, you know, within 35 ish yards with, you know, like a guillotine broadhead is, is something to, you know, definitely practice and take into consideration. So bow hunter problems, you know, make sure that you are comfortable with your draw weight, comfortable with your setup and, uh, just, you know, practice, practice holding because whether it's deer hunting, turkey, you know, any type of big game species, you might not always have the perfect opportunity or the shooting window. Sometimes a doe might spot you. Sometimes, you know, you might get hung up. So, you know, being able to be in awkward positions and come to full draw and not get spotted, definitely something you want to consider and practice for. So on game day, you can make that shot. We like to feature your success in outdoor adventures. So shoot us a pics over to us with a brief story. Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. On target. Welcome to our On Target segment, where you receive the inside scoop on brands, products, and training that can help step up your hunt and range game. This week, Ron from Riker USA covers shooting with paper and steel. What's up, everybody? It's Ron with Riker USA coming to you on the Route 16 Grind podcast with this week's On Target segment. We're going to talk about how to work on accuracy, aggression, and speed 
when shooting. And it doesn't matter if that's rifle or pistol. If you're a competitive shooter or if you're just an average shooter or just somebody who likes to set targets up and shoot in the backyard. There's no shortage of, of training tips, training information, drills on the internet. There's so much stuff out there that didn't exist back when myself and Brian first you know, made entry into the reconnaissance world in the Marine Corps. And it's awesome how much information is out there. And one of the things that I see a lot in some of the training I have is people who have some gun experience, no military, no law enforcement backgrounds, but just like to go out there. They're seekers of information. They go out there and they get trained and they come at me with good questions. They have good techniques and form. And it's really interesting to see like 18 year old, 22 year old kids with no military, no law enforcement background who you look at them and you're like, are you sure you're not in the military? So the stuff is out there. The information is out there. You just have to find what you're looking for. And what I'm going to talk about today is steel targets and paper targets. One isn't better than the other. You have to shoot both, but you can't just shoot one. Shooting paper is awesome. Shooting paper makes you accurate. It makes you focus on your fundamentals. You focus on that front sight focus, a good trigger squeeze, especially when you add the self-induced stress of being on a shot timer. The Paper doesn't lie. It shows you your accuracy. It shows your hits. It shows you your point of aim, point of impact. This allows you to make the instant correction on your fundamentals of marksmanship, grip, stance, sight alignment, trigger control, sight pitcher. Uh, all of these things come into play. Paper will help you dial us, and it doesn't matter the yard line. Now, remember, everybody with a pistol, everybody's a rock star from the seven on in. Everything you're doing incorrect at the seven on in is magnified with distance. Meaning if you're four inches consistently off center, when by the time you get to the 25, you might not even be on the target. The other thing to think about this is if you're ever in a life or death situation and you have to retrieve your pistol, your accuracy automatically is cut in half when you have an adrenaline dump and the, the, the fog of war with fear and the fight or flight and all these things kick in. Your accuracy is going to be cut in half. This is why practicing the fundamentals, focusing on accuracy is so important. Now, let's switching over to steel. One of my favorite shooting matches to shoot is a steel challenge. It is fun. You're on the buzzer. You have five steel targets. Ting, 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 ting. The thing I like about steel, steel makes you aggressive. It makes you fast. It makes you super violent in a good way. You get the instant feedback. You don't even have to see it. You don't even have to to to, to look at for a follow-up shot, which we don't look at shots until we're done shooting. But what you get when you come out of the holster on that buzzer and you hit that steel, tink, you have that instant feedback. I know I hit it, so now you're going to speed up. If you shoot steel all the time, what you will notice is your accuracy will suffer. Shooting steel allows you to cut some corners and round it out. You might be hitting steel. You might just be hitting the edge. You might not be hitting center mass. So this is where in your training, you need to have a good balance of both paper paper days, steel days, and then you have hybrid days. You have a day where you go out and you have paper and steel targets set on up. And what you'll see is you'll start to bring that that level of speed 
down onto the same plane where your level of accuracy is. And now you're going to create balance. Now you're going to create a well-balanced shooter, a, a really good foundation of marksmanship, but also understanding your abilities. One of the things that we have been, we were always taught, and I say it all the time, accuracy over speed. Accuracy is going to win over speed. You can come out of the holster and shoot 15 rounds in three seconds and miss 15 times. You can come out of the holster and shoot one well-aimed round in two seconds and eliminate the threat. So accuracy over speed. And this comes through practice. This comes through dry fire practice. This comes through setting up multiple targets, not just going out there and shooting one or two targets and all at the same height. Set them up on different planes, high, low, sideways. Same with the steel targets. And again, hybrid training, steel and paper. If you guys train with me in my advanced classes, advanced pistol and rifle, I run you through these drills. I run you through at distance all the way as close as 10 yards all the way out to 125 yards just depending on the weapons platform. And what we do with that is we get you amped up, we get the heart rate up, we start adding some physical stressors in there and then having you shoot a lot of steel targets, boom, 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 getting you redlined and then having you transition over and shoot paper targets in the same drill. And what you'll see a lot of times in the beginning of these drills, the first time through, the accuracy is really bad. And one of the things that's pretty amazing about the human body, when we get tired, if we can take that tactical pause, take that big fresh of breath air, we become more efficient. We, when we're Red line when our heart is jumping out of our chest. If we can just take a second and take that breath. And what you'll find when what we see in our, in our classes, when we run these high stress drills, multiple target engagements, that when these guys, yes, repetition also helps doing the same drill a few times over helps, but they hit that point of calm through fatigue. And this allows them to understand that like, oh, I don't really need to be that high. I can, I can operate back here a little bit and not redline myself. So again, all this comes through shooting multiple types of targets, different yard lines, different heights, and just working on your fundamentals and, and working to become a, a great all around shooter. All right, guys. So steel, paper, train on both, train safe, train smart, train with purpose. Talk to you next week. Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for links to our Patreon page. Hey, this is Nikki G. Uh, I got to say thank you for all the uh, support you gave me. Um, on my YouTube channel and my podcast, uh, the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast, which is, is doing good. I'm getting a warm reception. Thank you, everybody. And uh, my YouTube channel is still up and running. It's uh, YouTube slash Nick G. But unfortunately, with all this quarantine stuff, I haven't been out wheeling. And I haven't been out wheeling, so I haven't been breaking things. So there's no wheeling videos and no uh, repair videos. But that's going to change because something's going to break eventually either. This quarantine stuff or the Jeep. And then uh, we'll have some videos, but thank you. But uh, I just want to remind everybody, be careful when you get up into the mountains. Uh, North Carolina has brown bears, which are not that aggressive, but any wild animal is aggressive when it's wounded or protecting its youngins. 
Uh, my protection of choice, I prefer bear spray. I carry a sidearm for that oh crap just in case, you know, everything else fails. Plus, I'm not that good of a shot. I'm more likely to shoot my foot off than I am to shoot a bear. But, uh, we're in the bear, we're in the bear's house. And so it's rude to go in somebody's house and shoot them. So the bear, bear spray, I think, is the non-lethal method. Plus, I can't shoot myself in the foot with bear spray. And if I did, it just bites off. But, uh, me and Wendy were out in the mountains driving around this last week and, uh, we saw a bear across the street. They're, they're getting active now. And, uh, I said, man, that's odd. And when he goes, why? We're in bear country. You'll see a bear. I said, no, it's, it's, it's the chicken's day across the street. Yeah, I know. That's a groaner. <laughs> All right, guys, you keep up the good work and I'll chat to you later. Have a good one. Bye. Oh, Nick, you never fail, dude. Thank you so much for the calls. Yeah. Hey, man, we're really happy. I really do enjoy your 10-minute off-road, so please keep it up. I enjoy it, and you guys should head over to it as well. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine worn products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go Warren. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt, the segment where I talk about people, brands, products, and events from the off-road world. This week, I'm going to talk about events. Now, I'm sure all you Jeepers, Wheelers, and anyone that reads or watches the news knows what happened at this this year's Jeep Go Topless event in Texas. Now, without going in it too much and staying away from the whole COVID conversation, there were numerous arrests made at this event. Go Topless Day is an annual event held globally. Uh, it's a global event that happens primarily in the United States on the third Saturday in May every year. In 2019, over 240 Go Topless Day events in 45 states, 11 countries were able to raise over $150,000 for various local organizations. The original intent of the organizers was to raise money for local nonprofits. This is what I love about this event, and many others like it. Now, the whole COVID thing has put a huge damper on us gathering together to connect, bond, laugh, and yes, you know, have a few drinks. But these events are so much more when we have fun responsibly. I, I know many clubs enjoy having kids involved at meets and greets. At events like this one is a chance for people who are just getting into the Jeep life or wheel life to get their first impression of people of the people themselves versus just believing stereotypical opinions. Now, I'm not going to get on a soapbox and pass judgment on these folks who ended up getting in trouble. Not my place. I don't have all the information. And you know what? I've done dumb shit, too. But I, what I will say is this. Think about the impression you want to leave on the community when you sign up and host one of these events. Do you think they want, will want you back? Will they bring more, bring you more support for your charity? Will businesses and other organizations want to be associated with it? Now, I love getting together and hanging with my peeps, especially the ones from the trail. 
I love meeting others who share the same interests. I love having the opportunity to share ideas with others. So let's keep it positive when we go to these events. Let's be responsible and positive ambassadors for the groups we represent and the activities we enjoy. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventuring news? Then call us at Route 16 Grind Hotline at 919-694-3356 and maybe you'll be on our next show. We have a very special edition this week. A little out of the norm, but one you might see every now and then as we move further along this election year. Recently, I had the privilege of joining the Libertarian Party of Georgia candidate for U.S. Senate, Shane Hazel, on his podcast, Radical. If you live in Georgia, my Georgia peeps, you really need to follow him and you need to support him. Shane and I served in the Marines. We deployed twice in combat with First Force Reconnaissance Company. I trust this man with my life. I would absolutely trust him with the responsibility of helping direct this country into a true environment of liberty. I hope you enjoyed this segment as much as I enjoyed chatting with my friend and brother Shane. Welcome back to Radical. My name is Shane Hazel, your host. We are going to have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, a guy that I consider a brother goes back to the, my platoon in the Marine Corps, First Force Reconnaissance Company, uh, deployed twice with this guy. He is a, a spark plug. He's got his own podcast up and running now out of North Carolina. It's Route 16 Grind. His name is Brian Plummer. Brother, welcome to the show. I'm ready to get radical, man. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we didn't, for, for those of you guys in the background, we've been chatting for like 20 minutes nonstop about podcast stuff. <laughs> we better hit record stuff. soon. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 just pick right up wherever you left off. And I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But Brian, hey, man, I, it, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, we've got a whole bunch of synergy between the two of us in terms of what you do and, and what I'm doing over here with Radical. And uh, I mean, to, to have, you know, another brother in this to, you know, that's, that's out there creating shows and creating context, context and following your passion. Uh, it, and it just bleeds out in your show, too. I mean, to listen to you talk about the outdoors and off-roading and hunting and, and just being with your, your family while you're doing it. It is. I mean, it's near and dear to my heart. I'm obviously a fan. Um, and so to, to sit, be able to sit down and, and, and go back and forth kind of between, you know, what we're going to probably talk about today between both uh, politics, uh, mostly found on Radical here. But Radical, you know, like I said in the beginning, it's going to be one of those shows where I just talk to rad people. And, you know, what I think is rad is people sharing their passion with others and getting them involved and making connections and uniting people versus, you know, this ridiculous, you know, landscape that we usually see out there today. But hey, I'm, <laughs> here I am chatting away. <laughs> no, you're good, man. You're good. Cause I'm like right there with you, brother. I, I know. And you know, I love what you said. The key thing is finding something that brings people together. Obviously with our experiences, we understand the true impacts of when an argument turns to a conflict and the conflict turns turns to war and how things can escalate so quickly. And, you know, what can we do to bring people together to just conversate? You don't necessarily need to agree, but what can we do to just conversate civilly and have a conversation, share ideas? Because, you know, what I share with my son is, you know, knowledge is useless unless you're able to share it. That's the only way that we're able to get better. And that's what I love about kind of what I do with Route 16. And, you know, obviously started with the off-road stuff. I go out and wheel. I love my Jeep. I mean, and all that. And, and I go hang out with people 
that if you looked at us politically, we would never be in the same room. But, <laughs> but it's true though. It's true. And it's been amazing that I can go and sit around a campfire and talk things over with them. And we have a civil conversation and, and get, guess what? Even if they don't, we don't agree. If they have a problem on the trail or they need assistance, everyone, no one's like saying, what side are you on? It's ridiculous. The popularity contests that are going on in modern politics. Now it's like, Hey, where is America? Well, guess what? We are America around that campfire. And we want to expand it. And that's the same thing where, you know, the hunting and the fishing and all these other things. These are tools that we can use to bring people together, communicate, share ideas, and remember what America is while we're experiencing America. That's what I love about it. Yeah, and I think you—I mean, you—you nail it, man. And that's you know the ability for most people in in quote unquote you know in our belief set for the most part, right? Where you just you you know deep down inside of you, people just want to live their lives. They want to live those lives as peacefully without interruption from outside disturbances as possible. And I think most people who can sit down calmly and have those type of conversations who don't have the cognitive dissidence between, you know, this party and, you know, wants to point guns at peaceful people for this. And this party wants to point, you know, guns at peaceful people for this. And, and they're at what they think is opposite ends of the spectrum when they're actually kind of all over there towards this really, awful toward the, the you know the spectrum of the liberty and and uh the the tyrannical spectrum and you're sitting there going hey guys we're way over here you know let's can we just stop pointing guns at people for a while and and start you know just letting people be if they're being peaceful and so yeah i mean i i've seen a lot of what you guys have been doing um and, and especially with your off-road stuff and taking your 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 sons out and and just getting, you know, getting out and being a family and reconnecting with, you know, nature and, and, and having those slower times. And that's one thing that I've tried to replicate in my own life. You know, we've moved away from kind of the hustle and bustle up to the mountains in, in the middle of nowhere, honestly. And, you know, we're just about to start uh, digging out the basement on this house and, you know, to, to be able to take all of my family out there and the kids especially and have them understand that, the, that this life and, and the land that gives us the life is something to be you know respected to be in tune with to conserve and to you know bring other people into that understanding and so i mean it, it it's a i don't know it's a ton of fun but it's it's a giant responsibility that i think you know guys like us really have to a lot of people who haven't really seen a whole bunch of the horrors that we have um, right. And, 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 you know, for those of you guys listening in, like Brian and I were in Najaf together. We were in Fallujah together, uh, you know, all over, you know, the, the Western side of Iraq for a long time. Out of what, almost a damn year deployment on that one. Yeah. It was and, long. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we just, we got to see some amazing things and we got to see some God awful things together and to, to, you know, to be where we are now, uh, to where, you know, these these things that we want to pass on to our children and to our countrymen, I think is you know is, is one of the best things we can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and America isn't just your block is one of the biggest things. And I think that's one of the great things of when you're you if you do have uh, the opportunity to serve, or you wish to go down that path, uh, you're going to see things outside of America, you're gonna say things within America. But I, I one of the 
biggest things I enjoyed is one time when I was, uh, you know, leaving California and I was going to Virginia Beach to a new duty station out there. And I took 30 days across the country and I really explored and experienced every thread of America that I could possibly engage in. Because if you think about it, you're like, hey, what am I protecting? And that is what I think people forget. It's not just your block. And, and you know, all these other things that are going on with the COVID stuff or with, you know, how vote electoral college, you get a better understanding of why, you know, it's not just about your neighborhood, your block, whatever. If you choose to live that way, hey, I'm cool with it. I'm no problem with that. But it should not give you any power over my neighborhood just because it works for your neighborhood and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the whole state rights and stuff. I mean, we have forgotten so much. And I think People need to get out there and experience these things. And it starts with an activity. Find something that is a common ground, common, and you go do and explore. There are people I wheel with absolutely don't believe that people should have, you know, guns. But you oh, know yeah, what? Sure. They're not out there saying, I can't believe you're doing that. And it's no different than if you look at it this way. So Jeepers are very into their Jeeps. So I'm a Jeeper, right? And People will always criticize or be like, hey, man, why don't you go with those wheels? Or what, man, you should have, like, you know, very opinionated group, right? Just like guns. But the thing about it is it always ends like this. Well, man, hey, it's your Jeep, dude. That's cool. Why can we not apply that same dialogue in society in all the things that we do? Hey, man, that's your business, not mine. That's cool. Hey, that's your state, not mine. That's cool. Hey, states, that's your business, not ours, federal government. We really know how to have dialogue, and we really know where the lines stop. But the problem is no one's applying pressure. That no one is the people applying the pressure on these you know, institutions of government saying, hey, look, man, you can't do that no more. What I got, I mean, questions for you, man. I, I um, you know, I, I've I've traveled around a good, I mean, quite a bit, probably more than the average person. Um, after leaving the Marine Corps and even while we were in, I guess. But now to you know to to have traveled around and to be back here in a place that you know you call home. You know, there was one time when I would you know go down to the the local VFW uh, or the American Legion and those kind of things. And you know, because you know we're veterans, you know. I, I kind of miss this this I don't know this outrage almost about how we become what we've become by veterans. I see guys that are you know fully invested in the VFW and fully invested in places like the Foreign Legion, which are probably more of your you know your your Vietnam War guys. But how do we get all these guys out there, especially the guys that have lost hope and you know are taking their lives, you know twenty two plus guys a day. How do we how do we engage those guys and get those guys to come out and be leaders, man? Because, I mean, if there's one thing that, you know, this group can be excellent at and extraordinary and excel at, it is taking a very, very bad situation like the one we're in now and providing real voice, a calm voice in this shock and trauma that America is going through and, and, and really come out and, and do, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, leadership type things. And I, I just, I'm, am I missing it? Is it somewhere where no, I'm I, I agree with you? I mean, it really comes down to, you have to be, you have to get involved first and foremost. And for those guys that are looking or gals that are looking for something, it's out there. 
You just really need to step up and do it. I mean, I, I don't know how to say it any better than that. No different than when you raise your hand and you volunteered. There are so many, I have, I mean, you are connected to the internet. You have groups all in all these different uh, opportunities that are asking for help and assistance, whether it's emergencies assistance during, you know, storms of that nature, whether it's, you know, going out into public volunteer roles and helping and assisting like in these crises and stuff, you have a lot mm-hmm. of training. You have a lot of maturity. You need to get out there and do it. And you don't need to wait for someone to tell you to do it. You know, you have the ability. You got to jump in and do it. Look at the greatest generation. They built the modern America when they came home. You know, that was it. They came home and said, well, I guess I, I'm, you know, war's over. I'm going to go get a job and what I'm going to do, maybe get some education. I'm going to start a business, etc." One of the things that is hurting us is our country itself has become numb to the fact that we are still in war. Like yeah. it blows my chain. I thought about it the other day of how long ago that we were deployed together. I mean, yeah. dude, like the guys that I trained at BRC are retiring, dude. Right. You know I what I'm mean, saying? Like they're getting the ready to is- retire. We're freaking <laughs> I, I old. I came in when I, <laughs> I, in when I was 21. And I would be retiring next year if I stuck. It around. blows my mind that we and I tell you, I, I had some hope when you know Trump came in and he was like, "Yeah, man, we need to get out of Syria," you know, and everyone lost their mind. I said, and it literally you, to this day, you cannot sell me on why we are still in Syria. And you can say all the boogeyman and all this other stuff like that. Um, I think we understand the true nature of you know, why our involvement is there. But sure. I, I'm telling you, like that right there to me is one of the key areas. And on the same thing with Afghanistan, I think I read something the other day where, hey, we're looking at probably going back to offensive operation in Afghanistan. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the like... will never end. We, I mean, and that, that's the thing is, you know, yeah, we, the American people have totally lost touch with what that is and what it means and what it does to societies and relationships and families. And, and you know, that... That that comes across. I mean, hell, we were saying it back in 2004. You know, we used to say things like, you know, America is at the mall and the Marines are at war. Right. America's not at war. And then, and, and yeah, I, I think it's totally been totally been lost and callous even to the point where, you know, you've got this god awful divide between, you know, you know, the what a lot of people will call the sheepdogs and the sheep. And that's that shouldn't be the case. You know, it shouldn't be that, you know, every time we turn around, we're, we're looking at another seven hundred and fifty billion dollars worth of, you know, spending. for Oh, the gosh. Department of Defense, right. 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 I, I'm telling you, man, like, you know, it's just it blows me away. Like even when I was in, it bothered me uh, with the uh, the the uh, the concept and idea. Hey, man, we got to spend all this money to get the money back and more. And like. Who runs a balance like that? Like who? Like and and it's encouraged. Um, like hey, yeah, we we're gonna spend all this fallout money so we don't lose it, and we're gonna get more. And that's the yeah. no. Well, no wonder we're in debt, dude. Like, come on, like hey, you spend all your money, I'll give you more. Okay, I'll spend all my money. You know, like more gear. Cool. Yeah. Right. You know. Hey, I've had this on for six months. I need like you know three more. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. crazy. Um. You know, since since you've transitioned out and, and, and kind of gotten away from the DOD now and, and obviously, you know, found some real passion and, and real purpose out there, um, you're you're communicating that to people out there and, and, and especially the veterans, the ability to, you know, get behind a microphone. Was it was it scary for you? 
the first time? Was it, it was it one of those things that you had any self-doubt in doing? I mean, Shane, I appreciate the question. You probably are smiling while you're doing it. But, you know, I'm a I'm a chatterbox. I was a radio operator. So I was always behind the mic, if you will. That's so, right. You know, like, hey, man, that, that right there, it, it takes care of itself. Um, you know, uh, you, you know, you give me a soapbox, I'll probably get on it and, and share something. Uh, I'll tell you one time I was very nervous is, uh, I was asked to be a guest speaker at a off-road veteran event, great organization called True Patriot does a lot of great things out here in my area. And actually they're national, but they're a very small group. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mike is the president for it. Mike Heath, uh, he's active duty army still, and he does all that. And he asked me to be a guest speaker at a veterans day, uh, event in Uwari, uh, North Carolina. And, um, um, I was a little bit nervous because I was like, hey, man, I mean, because it's different when you're talking to the masses and all that. It's different when you talk to your own, you know, because you have sure. to have a clear, concise message that's going to resonate because, uh, you know, you know, they'll just turn you right off. You know, Marines, you know, you know, Toon Commander gets out. You're like, oh, God, I'm just going mm. oh, <laughs> to. Right. I mean, that's the thing is you can you can smell it almost. Yeah, and, dude. So you're like, and, yeah, dude, I know when to turn it on, turn it off. But uh don't tell my wife that. I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh yeah, so when I, I had a message with that group. And I, it literally was an eval, a self evaluation of my whole trans, cause you, you're continually transitioning. I think when you come through our experiences yeah. of the things that we were involved in, regardless of, Hey, you were in four years, eight years, 10 years, 30 years, you're, you're, you're constantly transitioning from those things. It is a daily thing because certain things never go away. So my biggest message to them was remember, you know, you have, you have all the tools to be successful if you just apply the things you learn. Think of MET-T, think of BAMSIS, you know, SMEAC. These are all the tools that are laid out for you to be successful for the most, you know, challenging missions. Well, guess what? A challenging mission is life too after those facts, after your service. And remember, right now, you are the mission. And that is one of the hardest things it took me probably after I, I've been retired almost 10 years now or a little over 10 years now. And it probably took me about seven years for that to click as crazy as that sounds. Hey, because I was involved in a job where, man, it's about the mission. You got to take care of this guy. Yeah. I mean, I was putting myself aside, like all the, you know me, man, like, Hey man, you, all right, okay, cool. I'll, I'll take care of it. But, but I, I came to that, you know, come to Jesus moment. And I realized, and it was a lot of things with my wife, God bless her, you know, tell me straight to me, like, Hey man, you know, you need to live a life, dude, you know, like, and, uh, like, yeah, right. And so I was, and I shared that with them through my own things. You know, I, I cannot, you know, there are things you miss and there are things you sacrifice when you serve, you know, simple things like birthdays and holidays. And how about just the fact that your kid grew three inches, you missed yeah. all that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like little things like that, dude. And you're just like, gosh, man, what am I doing here? And that was a big thing of why I wanted to get involved with this. And my message was to them was you are the mission. And I'm telling you, I, I received a lot of getting, I'm not saying that to, to sound cool or like, Hey, I'm so awesome, but I, I'm telling you, like there's a, a, a good share of veterans that came up to me like weeks after the fact that hit me up out of the blue said, man, you know what? I, I needed to hear that. I really did. I had a guy who wasn't even a vet who was there. He He's a truck driver. And he said, you know what, man? I've realized that my life, like I was just blown away by it, but that's it. You know, there is nothing wrong. There's nothing selfish about, you know, taking care of yourself and taking care of your family. That's pretty honorable, I think. And you can do all the other things too, 
But you know what? You, you, I think one of the biggest thing with veterans, you need to understand you earned everything outside of that. Everything you've, you've done your time. You reserve. If anybody gives, has the right to complain, you reserve it because you've accepted the fact that I will go anywhere, anytime and do what you need me to do for my country. Okay. You may not even agree with it. Okay. If you honestly think that every DOD member agrees with the mission, you guys oh, are high. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> the more and more don't. And that's the thing. right. They're serving honorably. Okay. And they're fingering ways out and they're, they're trying to keep them. A lot of it comes down to, Hey, I just want to keep my people alive. Yeah. And most of you know, and that's the thing is a lot of them have never, ever, ever been subjected to the ideas of liberty before. And, and I mean, I, I know I was, and I know I took a whole bunch of really God awful, hairy red pills you know, that we saw firsthand where I was like, well, Jesus, this doesn't sound like liberty and this doesn't look like liberty. And, you know, where's the end state and the end mission? But I, to, to, to kind of go back and, and kind of echo what you were talking about, man, I, I think you're exactly right in terms of you being the mission when you get back. Because I, I went through two and I, I mean, I think it was probably not, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago when I figured – I, you know, I probably owed my wife an apology, right? Because there was a time where you got out and you were figuring things out and you were angry and it was still always mission, 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 right? And the right. thing is, whatever your mission was, it wasn't you. It was whatever, wherever you were trying to get. It wasn't even, I mean, you weren't focused on even today for the most part, unless you know, there was something, some key aspect of, all right, here's a milestone today. I got to knock it out of the park. And, you know, if I don't, then it's going to be today's a failure. And so right. I, 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 I apologize to my wife. I don't know what, what, six, eight, seven months ago. I don't know. Hey, I'm real sorry that you had to deal with me as a younger man that was mad at the world and saw everything as mission and had zero empathy. And I'll tell you, thanks to Colorado for one really, really amazing trip out there uh, where I got to experience a little bit of extra nature because their laws aren't so um, draconian, I should say. And it opened up a different part of my brain. And I'm telling you, man, that like I had shut off empathy and I can't even imagine that was just four years. You know, like I was, I saw the writing on the wall. I got out after four years. I can't imagine doing 20 plus years and then having the revolution that you've already had and sit there and say, I'm going to put away all this, you know, this mission, mission, mission stuff that's been in my blood, you know, in, in part of my daily life for 20 years. That was a, that was a revelation for me to be able to come back and say, listen, you can't treat your wife. You can't treat your kids like, you know, maybe they're going to hinder a mission for God's sakes, find the empathy, live in the moment, be happy that they're happy, you know, things like that, where, you know, I think a lot of dudes struggle with that kind of thing to the point where, I mean, a lot of them just end their life, but on other sides where they're, you know, whether they're drinking too much, whether they're taking pills, whether they're caught up in other types of drugs, it's just like, guys, if you need some help with that, I, I guarantee you, I, I speak for myself, but I guarantee you Brian's the same way. If you need help with any of that kind of stuff, you can contact me, you can contact Brian. Absolutely. Um, Shane, yeah. Radical Pod. Brian, you can tell him. Uh, Route16 at gmail.com or just go online at Route16.com and hit the contacts. Hey, and, no problem, man. We'll reach out to you. Yeah, and that's, that's R-O-O-T, not R-O-U-T-E. So. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, for the show, though, I got to explain all that. <laughs> People are like, what? Hey, well, hey, the guy can't spell? Perfect. He does eat crayons. <laughs> <laughs> 
perfect segue, man. So, so how did you come up with Route One Six Grind? Oh man, dude. So it started with Route One Six Off Road, right? And uh, so why it's R O T um, is because if you look at my logo, right, there is a hillside and the Jeep going up it, and there's a One Six imprinted on entire tracks on the hillside, if you will. Well, that hillside is actually a square root symbol. Square root sixteen four four square four by four. So that's oh. why it's Route One Six. Yeah, man, what's up? That's why I was yeah, at RTO. Great. See, <laughs> uh, Marines are dumb. Stop doing that. <laughs> Give us a bad route. Yeah, right. So, uh, but that's where I came up with that. But I, I really wanted to get involved in something. I just, I think people like us, we need to stay busy. As much as we talk about, oh man, I just want to sit on a porch and or be a greeter at Walmart. It just doesn't work <laughs> for us. You know, yeah. we, we will be the most excellent greeter, you know, and Walmart will fire us for that. But right. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, I really want to do something. And I just, I enjoyed, uh, off-roading, um, and I used to have an XJ for years. And I, I mean, I traveled the country, this thing and, and all that. And, and I kind of got away from that a little bit. And I was slowly, what I found was I was slowly on a journey to get my whole self back. And it started with off-road. So I started that brand. Um, I, I got along, I got, uh, some, uh, uh some, uh, dealerships, you know, as far as like deals with working with companies selling off-road products and accessories. My first big brand was worn that I was able to become a dealer for. I was super excited about that. And just kind of, you know, it started with like 35 brands and then now I'm up to like 600 brands that I represent on the off-road side. And I was doing that for a while, but I found myself going down this road of I'm totally, you know, involving myself like this is everything. And I was losing more things that I wanted to do. And then I went on a pheasant hunt. There's a great organization out in snow camp, North Carolina. I think it's Beaver Pond is the location and they do uh, enduring gratitude every year. I'm not sure how many years they've done it, but basically they take all these veterans. You don't bring, you don't have to bring a damn thing. If you got a shotgun, great. If you don't, but you'll go out and you'll shoot skeet all day for half the day. And then the other half the day you'll hunt pheasant. And I'm telling you, man, I, when I got that, that happened, I want to say two, what, not to, yeah. So it was almost uh, a year ago, actually. Yeah. A year ago, maybe two years ago. Yeah. It was two years ago. But anyways, whenever it was, I'm old, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, right. It was one time at band camp, but, uh, no, uh, I went pheasant hunting. When I came back, my wife literally told me, goes, I don't know what you did out there. But there is a serious difference in you. You have so much energy right now and you just seem so happy. And you were talking about that being that walk around miserable and all that. And that's when it was clicking like, dude, I need to get back into hunting. I hadn't hunted in decades, man. Cause you know, the last thing you want to do after you were in the field for like a week or two was, Hey man, I'm going to go hunting this weekend. No, you aren't. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm going to the beach. I'm going to club, you know, but yeah, hunting what is on there. I'm sorry. But, uh, so I was like, I really want to get back into hunting. So I went and got my license, all the stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, took advantage of my benefits, uh, for, you know, if you are rated above 50% uh, here in North Carolina, you can get like a lifetime sportsman's, uh, license and do you get all the tags, uh, for deer and Turkey every year you pay one time fee, 110 bucks. I want to say maybe 120 somewhere on there, but for the rest of your life, you'll get those tags. And then you just pay a mom, a, a minimal fee for anything else beyond that. And that wow. includes salt and freshwater, dude. So Whoa. phenomenal, right? Right. So I got deal. those. And then I met 
Chuck from a, a great organization called Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. They were doing kind of a, a thing to kind of recruit sponsorship and you know membership and stuff at an off-road event out of the blue. And I literally, my first sentence to this guy was, yo, man, this looks really cool. I want to go turkey hunt. I've never been turkey hunt. And he literally said, yeah, I'll take you. And yeah. that's how Chuck and I, you know, came together and we went turkey hunting. We heard a gobble, didn't get anything, but I'm telling you, man, the experience and just being out there in that environment, um, I just felt so in my element. I felt so energized. And I'll tell you this, anyone that does not hunt, I promise you, there are no such things as a bad day hunting. It's really like, you know, getting a harvest. That's great. It's wonderful. Celebrate. You got meat in the fr- fridge and all that or freezer and all that. But I'm telling you. There's every hunt I learned something. Every hunt. And on top of it, I'm challenging myself. I'm in I'm not in my element. I'm in that animal's element. And it is a serious challenge. And I love that, man. And uh makes you also respect nature and everything. So we went on a hunt and I just kind of dove into it, man. And uh I was like, you know what? I need to I want to share my soul. I want to get more people because there are people out there that needs to, need that are just like me that they want to do it, don't know how to take the leap. And that's it. And I just took the same things that I've learned from the off-road things to get people energized to do that. And that's one of the things. And I, I talk to people that are helping others. I talk to just average. If you're just a person that just enjoys a fish, you can come on my show. Like it is, yeah. it is not about celebrating the giant influencers. Those are great and wonderful. But hearing your story, there's a gal up in, uh, where is she at? I want to, it's not Maine. I had a different guy there, but she's up in the Northeast somewhere. But she, uh, had, oh, New York, of all states. Yeah, New York. I think it's Lady Angler New York on Instagram. Uh, dude, she just enjoys fishing and she had a phenomenal story. I don't know what episode it was on the Route 16 grind. Uh, but yeah, she had a great story, uh, on there. But it's like just bringing average Joe's on there, sharing a story and also sharing our stories. You know, hey, you know, yeah. I went out hunting, got something. I went out hunting, I didn't get anything. You know, whatever the case, I, I want to this day, the best episode that I still look back on, and I'm so glad I did. I was, and you know, I I commend you, uh, Shane, for having a podcast and, and running it by yourself because it's different when you're talking to yourself. And I don't really <laughs> like doing that. I like having someone to talk with. So it is a challenge. And I, res- a I respect it. <laughs> yeah, I respect that. But uh, I did it by myself. It was right before Thanksgiving because I think I put a turkey recipe on there too. And I shared my son's first hunting harvest. It was a pig. And telling that story, I mean, I have that forever man and i that right there and a buddy of mine was just hitting me up today or the other day yesterday and it's like hey man i really want to get in hunting so i contacted some people in florida i found a group you can connect with and they literally it's like yeah man i just love the fact that you know you're, you're just doing that with your kids because you know my son he played sports and um, I know your kids are ninjas, so uh, they'll always have uh, they'll get my lunch money. But uh, but, you know, the my, he was always on the sucky team, man. Like he, he just got I think out of all the, you know, like leagues he played, he was only on one winning team. And so he was just over sports. So I'm like, OK, what can I do with him? Because he just like, yeah, I really don't want to do that. And I, I get it. When you just been on the losing team for so many years, you're like, yeah, I don't see the thrill. So. Getting out there and hunting, dude, with him and talking about his first turkey hunt. Oh my God, dude. It was, I, he, dude, he's low crawling in a field. And <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I was, as a dad, was so proud and watching him shoot that shotgun on both knees. Like he was literally on two knees in the middle of a field, like, you know, <laughs> totally not prepared for that kick, but he followed up with a second round. 
absolutely not aiming, but I was still a proud dad because my son applied discipline and all those lessons that he was able to learn from age six on, man. And you know what? When we talked about afterwards, he knew absolutely what he messed on. And next time he goes out, he's going to get better. And that's what those experiences are. And you're able to share that and people connect with that. And it's no different when you wheel. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But being able to bring these stories into a format with a Route 16 grind and also finding things that kind of just connect and resonate with people. Because some, and you know what, and I tell you, one thing I loved about, uh, we I had one guy on, his name is Sir William Goes. He's a, uh, this guy has a, a fantastic, the recording is probably the worst recording I had in all the shows. It just <laughs> what, it was what it was. But I will tell you, this dude is so cool. You should follow him. Um, and he's a big overlander. So, you know, someone that actually lives and travels in his vehicle and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he had a great story because he was saying, you know, when I started my YouTube channel, I really didn't start it to really get followers. I did it for me because he was going through a procedure that he lost a lot of memory sometimes. So if he did something, he not, may not remember it. So he would record it and put it on. On YouTube, so he would have to look back on it. And then what happened was, as he was progressing on with his channels, getting a lot of followers, people hit him up saying, you know what? I'm not able to do this because I have a medical condition or whatever, but I so love the fact I can go to your channel and you can share these places with me. Man, dude. I mean, that right there just makes you warm inside. Like, gosh, man, that is, that is awesome. And it brings a connection again. Guess what? They may not have anything in common at all. But they're able to at least bond with that, connect with that, and maybe start a conversation and share ideas. That's amazing, man. Yeah, no, I I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I I was not a hunter, and that's like I was not a hunter probably before I don't know. Let's just say 2010, uh-huh. probably. And I like I didn't hunt uh, before I was in the Marine Corps. It was just one of those things. I was like, dude, you know, I'd probably go out and shoot a, a, you know, a deer with a rifle. No problem because it's the East coast and you're just not taking real far shots. And then, you know, I, I transitioned out, you know, after, you know, being, you know, being what we were and going out and doing what we had to do, you know, picking up a weapon and going and, and, you know, shooting something was like, it doesn't seem like much of a challenge, especially now. And so I ran into this one guy and actually, um, one of my colleagues for a long time, uh, he is an absolute avid bow hunter. And he's like, you ever bow hunted? And I said, no, uh, I haven't. Uh, is it, is it awesome? You know, just to, yeah, to try man. To pain, like, and, and have some conversation. It's like, well, Hey man, why don't, you know, why don't after, you know, after we get off work, why don't I take you over to the range and get you set up with a bow and see how you like it? Because I'll tell you, he's like, it's helped me kind of readjust the things and to get out in nature and do this kind of stuff. It'll help you too. And so he took me and this is another veteran helping another veteran. And so he took me out to the bow store, you know, the, this great bow store that he is a, a regular at shoots competition bow at and all that fun stuff. And he says, here, man, let's, let's get you set up. So they get me set up. And, you know, you draw back on that first bow and you, you release And that first time you do it for me, man, I fell in love with it right away. I was like, Oh, give me another arrow. Give me another arrow. It's very therapeutic, man. I actually shoot them off my porch when I had a tobacco field behind me. Now they're houses. So I I can't do that. But (laughs) but dude, Oh, I could, I will say this podcast. I could probably share this with (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer. Don't do this at home. So I don't know if you ever met my friend. Uh, He and I, we went way back in recon together. Steve Peacock, like a good buddy of mine. We go way back. So anyway, so he, he came to visit one time and it was now I, like I said, there used to be a tobacco field back there, but they cropped all that down. So 
you know those scenes in Braveheart where the archers go and stuff, right? So I went in my Jeep. I drew like big circles in these fields, man. And I came back to my house. Oh, God, I hope my son is not listening to this. But, uh, dude, we're literally on my back porch, you know, archers ready, release, and trying to get into the – dude, we were actually getting in a circle. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> Don't do this at home. This is not no, approved. No. <laughs> all those things that we should legally say, yeah, they're all out there. But don't do that. No, it, outside Providence, where they're shooting that arrow up in the up in the air right above them, you're like, don't ever, ever do something dumb yeah. like this. Oh, dude, but it's so therapeutic, man. And I could, and also too, man, if you hunt, so archery seasons before general, like black powder archery, right. you go before, so you get an extended hunting season if you do well, archery, man. Quiet. Right, like you, you don't, you don't, you're not out there wearing blaze orange. You're not out there. Yeah. You know, it, it's a little bit warmer, but you're also not freezing your ass off. And you've got kind of, you know, the first selection. You know, it's like right. you, can, you can go out and that that herd is, you know, it's kind of your herd. You you, you are the first people out there, and that's a that's a nice thing about me. And I'll tell you, you know, like just to to just go out and sit in the woods is one of the yes. most nostalgic most you know rewarding things and when you can teach a child to sit quietly and yes. enjoy you know the the space between their own ears right that is a magical moment where you do see them you know transition from just eating snacks the entire time to you know paying attention to the different types of birds and then the bugs and then the way the wind is blowing and just right. all these little things especially you know maybe you didn't you, you didn't bring home a trophy you didn't bring home anything at all in terms of game and you walk back into the truck and you get in and you're like hey did you see this did you see that did you see like because yes. you learned how not to talk about it in the stand or the the hide or whatever it is and you're like no yeah man i'm I'm with you dude it's i'm right there with you it is so cool to experience it and also to hear it from their experience because you know you have life experience but hearing it from somebody hey this is one of the first times they've ever experienced something like that and hear that energy and all that and and yes you're you're impressing upon them and i think one of the big things too what i like about that is you're teaching them that hey success does come with hardship man and so when they have challenges in life because they will, hey, man, there's nothing that you can't get through. There is not. That, yeah. Remember that real cold day where it's windy and, you know, it kind of sucked. But, yeah, man, we were able to see some stuff. And, you know, because we had those lessons, we were able to go and move on and maybe harvest something on the next hunt or whatever. I mean, it, it is those things that you can just have them reflect on because if there's things that are missing are in childhood nowadays, in my opinion, are some of those challenges that we had that we just took for granted. Like I look back and being in the woods and building forts and stuff like hell forbid, dude, you do that today. Like I remember doing all sorts of things like that, dude, like playing in the well system, dude, like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. That's the cool thing about being out here too, is like, you know, I've got a mountain to myself and you know, my kids are out building like, TP lean tos by themselves without being taught how to do it. Yeah. And then they look on YouTube and they see how to do it and all like you're like, hey, guys, you guys are actually putting up a formation that could save your life and you don't even know that you're doing it. Like you're just out in the woods, you're working together as a team because there's three of them between five and eight, and they're gathering you know, larger sticks and then the smaller sticks. 
sticks and then like the, the pine you know fallings and everything like that to right. kind of pack around I'm like this this could save your life one day and i don't know man i it, it, it definitely puts a, a huge smile on my face you were uh you were talking earlier um you know before we get on and you wanted to talk a little bit about you know management of lands and things yeah like that. man so i i really uh would love and i i know i hit you up a couple times about that man but you know one thing that is a huge concern where whether people that wheel understand it as much as they're connected with people that hunt fish and all sorts of stuff like that is public land having that access and and remembering that it is the public's land uh like your stances on those kind of things man like because i i see such an encroachment as well as you look at states as large as texas there isn't a lot of public land and why is yeah. that well so here's the deal i mean and and let, let, let's work backwards right let's let's work back from backwards from robotic to humanity, right? So I'll, I'll go down my, my constitutional bent first. Article 1, section, I want to say it's 8, 17, or 16 in there somewhere, right? The United States of America is granted the 10 square miles of D.C., and then the four ports and magazines at the invite of the states. And so federal land, federal public land, is one of the biggest misunderstandings and, and encroachments, I think, on the states that there is, first and foremost. And I, so when, when we start to boil it down, so the federal government shouldn't, shouldn't own any land outside of that, first and foremost, is is, is where I come down. If we're going to still live in a constitutional republic, which I don't know, there's a debate for that these days, too. Um, then there's then there's the idea that you have, you know, state, quote unquote, state controlled land. And I don't know, man, because because this country has changed so much over the last 244 years, the idea that three million people who kind of founded this country, you know, those numbers from down here in Georgia all the way up to, I think, you know, about the main area, New Hampshire, Vermont area. You know, you're looking at three million people across there. Hell, we got more people that, than that in Atlanta. And so. I think what needs to happen with, quote unquote, public land is it needs to be one of those things where we are looking at it from the smallest government possible. And that way you have more local control over that land and it remains more free and more con you know, conducive to people actually going out and using it and conserving it. Because you don't want to go out and deplete your turkey population. You don't want people right. to Eating your deer population or, or anything else, you know, you want to be as close to that land and live it as much balance with it as you can. And so I think if, you know, in this day and age, I, I mean, I have this vision, you know, which I'm going to try to set. I've got another project that I'm working on man, in the background. It's called the House Hazel. And as I'm building this new house, we're documenting it. We're, we're looking at, you know, how do we make this not only our home, but to live in balance and give back and grow populations around us, like the deer population. You know, so what right. we're going to be doing is, you know, kind of, you know, taking our land and making a, you know, a, a food plot and a place where they can come in and drink and making sure that these, you know, these deer have nutrition and they have, you know, water source and, and, and are really there so that we are, are growing a population and, and culling a population in a very responsible manner. And I think, 
when you have people who are hunters and, and responsible hunters for the most part, because let's, let's face it, those hunters in America are the biggest conservationists right. in, on the, you know, in this country. Those dollars, man. Absolutely. And absolutely. on top of it, protecting those populations in general. Yeah. And so when you look at, you know, on a, let's just say a county by county, right. And I'm all for, you know, the privatization of land everywhere. If you look at it that way, where you can reach out and touch your commissioners or your city council or whoever it is, what you look at is saying, how are we using this land and why on earth would we overpopulate it with human beings and, and, you know, and, and, and things like that, where, it's going to hurt our chances at survival because in this day and age, you know, people used to look at preppers like you guys are idiots. You guys, you, you, what do you, what do you need all this kind of stuff for? What do you need all the stockpile for? What do you need to, to do herd management for and all that kind of stuff? How, why do you need to work the land that you can all just, you can just go down the supermarket. Well, what we're seeing now is meat shortages, people standing in lines and everything else. And you're sitting there going, hmm, maybe those guys who were talking about, you know, conservation and prepping weren't just doing it because they were, I don't know, crazy. Right. Maybe it's because they don't trust the government to provide for them. And you look at it, I mean, we're $25 trillion in debt on our way to $28 trillion real quick. And what have they got to show for it? They can't fix problems. Right. So it's going to be up to you working within your counties, within your cities, within your communities, and with your families and neighbors on how you're managing those type of places. And uh, you, you can survive off of a quarter of an acre if the community around you will do smart things and work on things like, you know, population management on making sure they have the right nutrition, using, you know, using that land appropriately to grow your own you know, food source that isn't chemically treated by, you know, God awful people like Monsanto and, and the rest of those people. And so I think it's got to be I think it's got to be a much closer to home decision about public land. And I think there should be public land because not everybody can go out and buy hundreds and hundreds of acres and, you know, the equipment that's needed to go out there and turn dirt and fertilize it and sweeten it up and get crops going you know, that's just not a, 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 you know, a realistic goal. But as a community, you sure as hell can, because there's that one guy who has made a little extra money who can buy a tractor. And if people came together as more than just one person and said, hey, I can buy some farm implements. Cool. I can buy some fertilizer. I can buy some seed. I can right. do this. We can all work on this kind of thing. I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but it's a hell of a well, lot better than that's... having like FDA and a national forestry department that doesn't know anything about you know your local area, your local wildlife. Like that to me is the way that it's got to go in the future. As you know, I think. Things are going to decentralize just because that's the nature of falling empires. But that's that's right. my take. You know, I there, you hit a lot of great things. So uh, when you mentioned you're talking about the deer and the management of that, I don't know. Uh, are you aware of the Quality Deer Management Association (QDMA)? There's probably one in your local yeah, area. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure. telling you, like that group, I I they were one of the first, like you know hunter groups I got associated with that was so impressed upon. And because of him a year late, or because of that group, I met one guy that my son actually did a turkey hunt on his property. And this guy and I just really connected and it's all old family land. And so I, now I'm going to hopefully get onto their lease. It's only like 
me and like two other dudes. And last weekend, on top of the middle of a turkey hunt, we're clearing land, we're setting up stands, like all sorts of stuff like that. Everything you're talking about, you know, is like essentially what they're doing on sleep, putting down food plots, all that. And the great thing about the, you know, the group, the, the three of us, the reason I was attracted to them, they were like, yeah, man, we don't really hunt anything that's three years or less. We really want right. a mature animal. Uh, so they're not just out there, you know, super trophy hunting or just trying to like, you know, hey, any deer that's out there, I'm going to shoot. Uh, I really like that aspect of it. But it's also too, you have to look at the reality. All three of us are in a situation where we don't, that's not how we, we don't get all our protein from our hunts, you know, and right. I, with some people when they go out, but that's the other part of looking at public land, having more places to go hunt at, because if you are that individual that you're looking at, Hey man, that is where I'm getting my annual protein. Then, yeah. Hey, you have many opportunities to go do it. You just better be a good hunter. Um, it, you know, I mean, I think it's phenomenal, uh, what you're doing with that. And I, I think it comes down. It's so funny how everything that comes down with all these problems, it comes down to one thing, really personal responsibility. You yeah. got to have personal responsibility. And it, you know, my village, we had this great big, I mean, there's like less than maybe there's a little over 3000 people. It's a small village. It used to be like, I'm surrounded by golf courses and horse farms, essentially. And yeah. <laughs> dude right and uh so you have a bunch of retirees and, and god bless them but um i think they're forgetting that you now you have a influx of much younger people coming in with kids and all the dynamics are, are changing in that and uh you know a couple of things that people were talking about because people you know want to be independent they're like hey i want to have chickens in my backyard and ha yeah. harvest their own chickens eggs you know for the meat as well as for the eggs and oh my gosh you know people are like oh my you no way that we should have that and i'm like Hey, why are you telling somebody what they can't have? If they last time I checked, they bought that property, right? Like I get that we're in this community and stuff, but it, when all this COVID stuff happened, you should have. Oh my God, it's so funny because like, yeah, all these chicken people aren't aren't crazy now, are they? You know, because all guess what people are looking for? They're looking for eggs, right? right. So it's so crazy. And 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 you know, if if you really look at that, and I I just agree with the concept. As long as you're anything that's going on, on your property not is not harming another one, and that you have people who just with llama, oh, that's going to bring down pot property value. Says who? It's like uh, within this village council, there, there's there, every one of them believes hey, if you have an above ground pool, it brings down. I said, well, show me the metrics that the above ground pool are going to bring. Because last time I checked, our neighboring town, which uh, has higher property value than us, um, they have above ground pools. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. just crazy because people don't like it. They throw up in our own like legislator, like, you know, the Congress, you have people just straight up on TV lying to you. Yeah. Well, they said that, you know, hey, why would they lie to us? You know, we're just going to have to accept that, you know, like yeah. it's crazy, man. And so you have to get involved. I, I'm telling you, like I started and I think it's a way you get involved. You find something that you are connected with. So I have a background in emergency management, my degrees in that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get more involved in my village. So I'm looking to start a community emergency response team here. It's one foothold to get in to get people again. How do we get common ground? So I bring people who want to volunteer, but now we get to have a common ground. We do, you know, the deal, man, misery breeds a bond, right? Like, you know, we're out on patrol and now we're best buds for life because that one patrol, man, it sucks so bad, right? So you go out and do <laughs> training and everything and you find a connection. And now, now you're no longer that guy who's just crazy with your liberty thoughts. Yeah. You're someone that said, you know what? You know, he kind of does make sense. I get that because who tell me who does not want to be more freer? 
Please yeah, show me right. someone that wants to be chained or jailed. Just right now, we just don't have the physical representations of that. And that's what people are missing. You definitely do have some chains on you and you are being hampered. And you, what you need to do is see those things and realize that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, you know, and when I when I look in where I, where we we currently rent while we're building a house, and you know, I'm lucky enough to live across from my mom and dad. But this the, the I don't know the establishment that we live in. It's a it's a long, large, very sparsely populated establishment that has a lot of people who are not hunters, and they have a no hunt rule within their within the property, right? Like right. within in here so you can't go out and and take a deer and i'll tell you right now the amount of deer around here i mean i i've got a feeder out back even though you know you can't hunt them it's it'll bring in sometimes 20 deer at a time 20 plus deer sometimes and you know i've tried to impart some some knowledge to sit there and say hey you know a lot of a lot of what you guys are doing in terms of trying to grow a healthy deer herd is really you guys are missing a very key aspect of that. And that is that not only do you need to, you know, grow them by maybe, I don't know, if you want to protect them, fine. But then you got to provide food for them, right? Right. What they're doing up here in the mountains, they're not just going to survive on, you know, the nuts and everything like that. And they're not, I shouldn't say they're not going to survive. They'll survive. They won't thrive right right you want something that's really really healthy and so to tell them hey man you should probably cut down some of the trees in your yard and you know start working the land a little bit for them if you're not going to call them you at least owe them some some you know some food right and right so, yeah it, it is you know you got to get involved and in, in you it's hard to, you know, not sound like a crazy person to some some of these guys. Some people are just going to be like, you're The crazy, sad crazy, part crazy. about it, man, is it's going to take where you get three or four serious accidents because they, someone hit a deer in the middle of the night or something like that. And, you know, maybe a fatality. It's, and I'm not trying to be doomsday. We had a huge problem. When I was growing up in West Texas, we had a huge problem on I-10 with such a sure. large deer population. And you're talking semis. I mean, it was just like, I drive home, dude, and there was just a, blo- a red streak <laughs> coming out of Paso, dude. Like there were so many deer constantly being hit and causing accidents and everything else. And you know, it. And no one wants to do that. And on top of it, uh, you know, uh, yeah, can you use the meat? You possibly can. Homeless shelter, whatever. But there's also what I would consider. There's a humane way yeah. to harvest that. And on top of it, you truly want a healthy herd. You have to manage in every aspect to prevent disease and all these other things. When overpopulation does create tremendous problems in wildlife. Life. Tremendous yeah. problems, um, and people will, people will throw all these imaginary things, but not think about it. Well, we can relocate them. We can do this. We can okay. Oh. Who's going to pay for that? Who's going to do this? On top of it, there are probably people within your community, at least in your county, that could benefit from those harvests. There, are, like on Fort Bride, they have a great thing. If you harvest a deer and you're like, yeah, I really don't need to meet. Maybe you just want you just want the trophy, and just maybe you just want the uh, the backstraps. You can donate your deer and tell them. Hey, I just want this and this. They'll provide it for you, and that protein goes to a shelter. So yeah. you're feeding your community. Like, I hate to tell you guys this. That's just the, the law of nature. We are top of the food chain. And, you know, <laughs> yes, I'm still a hunter. Um, you know, I have teeth that says I eat meat. Um, I don't eat seeds. So there's all sorts of things we can just talk about, and you can just I, I, if you don't like uh, my niece, total vegan, and that's great, and she makes dinner for us and all that stuff while she's staying with us. But 
you know what? I, I get it, but that's not me. Um, you yeah. know, it's, if we, the reason we exist today is because someone decided to say, you know what? I'm going to kill that thing. I'm going to eat it and see what happens. <laughs> yes, and you're, they're like, dude, here because this is great. This was a good hunter. <laughs> yes. I mean, think of the, all you go all the way back to the cave, man. I'm telling you now you need to represent for your ancestors. You really do like be independent. <laughs> all right. Cause I'm telling you right now, you go out there, you go backwards. It'd be like embarrassing. You'd be like, what do you mean? You eat like seeds and stuff. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, man, have, have you guys changed your, uh, like changed some habits since all this nonsense has gone on with the, uh, you know, the economy being crashed and everything else. Have you, have you, have you changed anything up? Have you gotten more, prepared you know what have you been up to you know far as this i'll be honest with you i am because i used to live when i first got out i lived in houston and i lived there for maybe about a year and i'll be honest with you, i'm glad i'm not really in a metropolitan um, yeah. because the impact of this really it's yeah the stores and yes you got to go through driving but you know what i really when i go when i leave the house generally if i go somewhere i'm either going to work or i'm going outdoors um i don't you know, I think too is we're older now, so we're not club hop. We're not doing all those, you know, young things. So I don't want to sound all bitter, like man, you just have a boring life. I don't, but some things don't have value to me anymore that might be valuable to somebody else. So I don't want to like belittle that. But for my life, it's been very minimal. The only time where I felt a true impact is when I've had to go on base. If I want to go into the exchange or something, they expect you to mask up because you know, truly authoritarian government and on an installation. And they can be as the military, but, uh, the outside of that, um, you know, if, if I, I just, I'm me, dude, like I just roll, roll around and, and I, I try and respect other people's uh, emotions. I respect the six feet. So I think it really comes down to is this is, um, as I'm working and processing through this, I also have to remember, I need to respect the fact that some people, this is the scariest thing they've ever experienced for me. It's not even close. But I have to respect the fact that, you know, yeah, I mean, this is challenging for some people. And, yeah. and you talked about empathy. And I think that's true. I, I'm with you, man. Probably if this would have happened like 10 years ago, I really have been like, you know, you suck. And, you you know, like just like all that, like, you know, you're, you know what? You're so weak. But, uh, you know, now I'm just like, hey, man, that's cool, dude. Hey, got it. Uh, and, you know, but I don't think for me. It's really changed too much. And yeah, some things are harder to get. What big deal? Are they really that important? You know, I mean, if you really, if you're really in dire straits for TV, can you not just go wash your butt? I mean, <laughs> really, you know, you think about it, dude, you know, go back to the caveman. What are you talking about TP? What is this? Do we eat it? No, we don't. <laughs> we wipe our butts with it. Ooh, why you do that? <laughs> why wouldn't you just use clean water? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dude. You know, like it, it's there's some of the things that people are just so stressed. Like, kid, that's why I don't, I'm like you, man. I don't watch sports anymore. I used to yeah. be a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, man. Huge, like diehard, man. Going back to a little kid. But after all that whole knee thing and all that, and I, I hey, whatever. I, that part was what it came to me. The reality was this. How is this benefiting me? How does sitting here doing fantasy football, watching football three times a week, and you're talking about two, three, four, five hours, man, right? Sure. Right? And yeah. I'm thinking, how is this benefiting me? I mean, I finished, you know, like I went, I finished my degree program and, you know, deployed all sorts of stuff, right? And I just think of how much of a commitment I made with that. Now I'm sitting here on the couch wasting my time watching someone toss a ball around and, and getting excited. This isn't exciting. You know what? There's nothing 
involved in here that is making me better. So why am I even partaking? Why am I giving out my most valuable commodity time? Time. To, oh, to that. Right. right? I love it, man. I you know? love this. Man, uh, yes. I, I, I'll tell you right now. There was, there was a lot of time. Like when I was, I had some back issues afterwards and got laid up until I found like yoga and lost some weight and all that fun stuff. It, it all compounded and nasty. And you're sitting there, you know, like even, you know, when you're sitting there kind of feeling almost sorry for yourself sometimes, like I was playing, you know, some, some Xbox game or something. And I, you know, you, you just kind of don't like, man, is this, is this what you want you to be remembered for? Like sitting around and right. a game or watching, you know, somebody else, you know, go out there and make millions or do you want to do something, man? And, and I'm going to piss off a lot of people when I say this. Uh, I know I am, but I'll tell you right now, our buddy Jason Stapleton, uh, when, when he started going out and, 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 you know, with his podcast, especially in the beginning, man, I heard, I don't know, I think it was our buddy, Billy Watts, man, who said, Hey, have you heard of this guy, Jason Stapleton? And I was like, no. And so I tuned in and he's like, yeah, man, he's a, he's another recon Marine and, and he's, he's, he's out there on the mic and he's, you know, he's got some really fascinating things to say. And so I listened and I was like, dude, if this guy can do this, then what the hell am I doing? Right. You know, he was one of my students, man. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had him in ARS and yeah. yeah, it, it, so for the, those of you guys that don't speak the language, amphibious reconnaissance course or school, and uh, you know, for you know, for this community, for for me as a younger guy to see another guy doing that, I was like, man, what what do I need to become an expert in to where I can take charge and do something with my life? And I think you know, we're coming up on a little, you know, about an hour, I guess. And you know, like I said, it's our, it's our podcast, so we don't give a damn. Yeah, that's right, man. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so, to, 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 to have some inspiration and I don't know, you know, if, if you're out there, you're a vet, or even if you're not a vet and you're listening to this going, I need to take charge of my life. I need to do something. You don't have to become a podcaster. You just, you know, whatever it is, find a passion, become an expert and start dedicating your life to it. Now, don't let it rule your life. But it's one of those things where when you start to take charge and you start to see a vision of where you can go and what you can do, it'll change over the course of time. But you're going to work out some things. You're going to find a whole bunch of ways not to do things. And you're going to find some things that really, really work. And that that tool set where at first, you know, whether it's editing a show or putting together a show, finding the equipment, that stuff is going to become second nature. And you're going to start getting things that are second nature for you, like all the time, like a new way to do something that's now a, you know, one of your main assets. And those assets grow over time. You know, your, your ability to communicate will grow over time. Your, your, you know, your influence will grow over time. And I'll tell you right now, like, that has been one of the coolest things in doing all this, whether it's running for office or running a podcast, is the ability to help other people, uh, you know, just get out of their own way and find some passion in that genius that we need, man. Right on, man. Right on. And, you know, I, I, you, you had it. You just got to jump in. And, you know, as far as, you know what, and I didn't share this and I should have, one of the biggest motivators for me to start the podcast i used to every now and then like the jeep talk show they're pretty big they're like the biggest jeep talk uh podcast and um i used to, i was kind of like their jay leno so when they couldn't like a guest bail or something they call me up hey man you want to get on the show tonight I'm like yeah, sure, yeah, right <laughs> so i would go on their show and then so i was on one time and uh 
this the guy that came on as another guest uh uh you know host both the, the obviously the main host and this guy had a podcast and tony the main host was like yeah brian you don't have a podcast for my show number one that was the intro brian you don't have a podcast because i was like you know what why don't i why right. don't i and i tell you it took about to research for about three months and your podcast actually helped me out because i was like kind of getting a little bit of that because i like the commentary and all that kind of stuff and trying like little things you can learn even though the format's a little different it's still there's a you have to have a flow and that's important you got to have some type of flow with it and you know i i I truly enjoyed watching your progression uh, from, you know, the time that we served to when you ran for Congress to what's going on with the initial podcast and what's going on now with being radical. I so enjoyed that. But I will ask you this, Shane, like because I'm going to put this probably on my show. Hey, how do how do my people connect with you in Georgia? Because I do have a Georgia audience, man. Yeah. Um, so. Anybody can find me uh, out there. Uh, you can email me at radical or at Shane at radical uh, You can go to Facebook. It's Shane Hazel GA. Uh, if you want to find my campaign site, which I'm really kind of running everything from radical into there because of the split with the rebellion and everything else. Um, the, you know, what you can find in terms of hundreds and hundreds of hours of the rebellion podcast, which is my old podcast. You can find that on YouTube and every, you know, platform that's out there. Uh, and then radical, uh, same thing. You can find it on YouTube under Shane Hazel. Uh, and I believe you can find it on pretty much everything now in terms of, uh, uh podcast apps, but you know, like Brian, I, I really appreciate you, you sitting down and doing this and, and, and helping me get the word out there. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm running for Senate. Uh, you can find me at, shanehazel.com there um <laughs> right man I need, I need a belly button man i need one belly button where somebody can go and find all this kind well of stuff I'll, I'll put all the show notes and stuff you know man i, I i'm a chatterbox yeah. and i'll i'll point and I, I i have i have some great people i know in georgia push that way and before we take off man i have a good uh connection in georgia that i met through that enduring gratitude we were both in the same group as hunters in the first year we came back as volunteers the second year and he actually going to i think georgia tech i want to say but he has a, a connection with some property down there and you know maybe we can get on a hunt sometime man oh hey and the thing is, is brian if you want to come up to my house man i, I mean i've got a a whole mountain and yeah. There is nobody out there. So uh, tomorrow is the last day of turkey uh, season down here. But I'll tell you, you know, as, as the year goes on and we have, you know, dove hunts and, you know, archery opens back up, black powder. I mean, you, you can definitely please feel free to bring your boys down and, and come hunt. And, Heck and yeah, I, man. I, I want you to take a second, too, and tell everybody in, in my crowd how to find you, especially if you're into, you know, off-roading and hunting and and everything outdoors. So, yeah. So, if you're looking to get anything far as off-road product accessory, you can find, like, on, you know, your, like, uh, you know, uh, fourwheeldrive.com or whatever. I, I represent over 600 brands. So all your top brands of stuff, like for lift kits, all that stuff. I really don't like doing tires, to be honest with you, and wheels because people get too question and answer with that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not an expert in it and it just takes too much time. But anything outside of wheels and tires, <laughs> I'm probably good with. And you can just hit me up at uh, route16, R-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X at gmail.com. And just let me know if you can send me a link to wherever it is and I'll look at it and get you a quote. And I 
don't have Black Friday because I try and get you best price I possibly can get you every day of the year. Um, and then far as the, the podcast, we cover hunting, fishing, overlanding, general venturing. If you just want to listen or you want to be on the show, you have something that you want to share, maybe some techniques, maybe at a great hunt, maybe a great adventure, or just a, you know, hell, you could maybe tell us that lying fishing story, whatever. We'll enjoy your company. Uh, you can just go to root, uh, root one six grind and that is, uh, you know, R O T O N E S I X. And it's the grind and you can go on website and you'll find all that stuff out there. Everything is connected to route16.com. And hey, man, I appreciate doing this with you. We're going to do man, it again. I had, I had so, so much I'm fun. So, I want to do this more <laughs> yeah. often. Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we haven't shut up for about an hour. I know, man. I gotta go eat dinner. I, I got like the you know the the eye from Mama. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, Brian, brother, I love you, man, and uh, I wish you the best. Super proud of you, and uh, likewise. And thanks, for, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. All right, take care. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Seasteak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Seasteak Coffee. Seasteak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Cup of Joe, where Ethan finally gets the bubble out of his throat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I was trying to choke down some of those uh, inserts there, and I'm like, I know I sound like I have a little bubble in the back of my throat, but I I couldn't just clear it to get it out. Anyway, side note, uh, Brian's also a clown. While I'm trying to talk about, you know, using fans to close the distance on your turkeys, (laughs) my phone rings, completely averts my attention, probably makes me stumble on my words. And I see that, you know, this guy is sending me a picture of his bird fan. Hey, at least you got a bird this year. I did not. So, you know, I will tell you, I'm so glad you brought that in because when I went out hunting with my son on his uh, youth day, the uh, the guy that took him. He absolutely did that. So we, he was behind like a pile of brush and my son was in, in front of him with the shotgun. And so obviously he's taller than my son and right above his head, he would put the fan. He actually had a fan and he was walking when he said, they just walk slow. And man, he was trying to guide these, uh, turkey into him and they just wouldn't budge from this area in the field they were in. But I did see that technique, uh, him use that technique. So. And uh, this dude actually wrote a book on turkey hunting. I have to get his name and, and, and stuff. I can't remember if it's Matt or Matthew, something like that. But, yeah, so people use it. And I, I think some good good stuff. I, you know what? The summary, I think, always comes back to what you hit on very hard. And I mentioned, too, is it really comes down to scouting. You got to know that area. Um, not all turkey are alike. Not all areas are alike. And you definitely got to – if you put the time in scouting – I think you're going to have success. And I, I, I really believe in that. Um, and you know, to me, that's really it. You, you got to figure that out. It takes time. And yeah, you might get lucky. You go out there. I mean, it happens, but mm-hmm. you know, you got to put time in scouting. 
You know, I'm going to go down a quick little rabbit hole here, but I, now that I think about it, I've saw both funny and serious videos of like the moose hunters up in Alaska and such that will use like, you know, smaller kind of bull antlers and they'll rub those things off of trees and they'll break brush. And I've actually saw moose charge, you know, hunters and guides before. And then I think about that and I'm like, there's that, there's that aspect of it. You know, turkey hunting, that's great. You can maybe close the distance. They think, it, it, you know, a strutting tom's coming towards them. They're confused. But then I think I'm like, well, dang, if I'd put antlers on my head, especially in like a PA gun season and try to stalk a deer oh, for fear of no. getting shot. Hell no. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's a double-edged nope. sword, but it's definitely yeah. a tactic. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I'm not, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely don't do that. Did you think about that, though? I mean, yeah. like, think about nope. public game land hunting and, like, the safety of it. I mean, hey, it. I don't know if the risk it's a is good worth point. the reward. I mean, I personally, I would, I just, like, I have those ones that you, they're in a bag and you can mm-hmm. kind of roll, roll the bag and it sounds like antlers and stuff. But I would never have antlers, you know. I, yeah, it just, to me, pub, like, for public land, and until I really know the area very well, um, which out here I'm still learning, you know, I'm just getting back in my game. So, yeah, I just, I wouldn't want to bring some type of identifier I, like that. It is, I can just, yeah, I can just see it now. Man gets shot trying to stalk deer with antlers. It's you Ethan's know, fault. So. He said something on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, guys, I had a, I had a blast. I have a blast every time we record, but I think this was a great show. Um, Brian, you seemed like you had a great time. I think it was good. You got to catch up with Shane. Definitely brought a lot of awesome content. I'm glad oh, we could share that on the that show. That was uh, just great. We're going to do it again. Uh, I'll probably want to bring him on our podcast uh, to talk about some things directly with both of us as it gets That'd closer awesome. to the election time. And, and, and I'll tell you what, his knowledge of the Constitution – um, if you ever really want to meet a constitution scholar, man, uh, that's him. I mean, he, he cites things right off, but he knows it, man. Um, very impressive. And again, this is a logical guy. Um, and he brings his emotion too. So he's not just the guy spouting off. Um, he, he, his, his, his true heart is in this. So if you all are in Georgia, go check him out, you know, shanehazel.com. Go follow him. He's all over the place. He's done some great things and, you know, give him the opportunity to really help, you know, lead this country. There are people that talk, uh, and this person's a doer and I stand behind him. If I was in Georgia, I would absolutely vote for him. You know, real quickly, I want to uh, go ahead and pivot and I need to give a shout out to Game Hide, man. So you remember a few weeks back, I had like, uh, hey man, has this ever happened to any of y'all? Like, you know, my Game Hide, you know, gloves, those, uh, tick away gloves were just disintegrating essentially. And I, they've only been on like a few hunts. I, I had them less than a year and Game Hide actually saw that post and they're like, hey, hit us up. Like, let's say I hit them up on Tuesday, Friday, I had new gloves in my house. I mean, that's how quick that turnaround was. I was so impressed by that. And I will tell you, they're a good brand. There were a couple people that were like, oh man, they look cheap, all that stuff. Like, you know, hey man, I always like to give a brand uh, an opportunity because you know what? I understand, man, things happen, whatever. Um, You know, I'm a business guy, so I get it. Well, they sent me, they're like, yep, we had a bad batch. Uh, let me send you some new gloves and I replaced them without question. I didn't have to send them back and then wait. And then, nope, they just sent me a new pair. And you know, I put a post out there. But hey, Game High, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. I, I you know, I got a lot of your stuff and I'll continue to uh, invest in that. Maybe we can get them on the podcast, dude. What do you think? 
That'd be awesome. And I mean, that, thanks for following up. I mean, I, I knew because we talked offline, but you know, I, that first post, I saw it and I always kind of respond to your stuff right away. But I saw them, you know, the I'm not familiar with the brand. I, I have not field tested them. Uh, I kind of want to now because I don't have you know, I haven't had one tick on me, dude. And out here in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's something you got to be concerned about. It, it's just like, yeah, ticks, chiggers, all the the insectous wildlife that can attack any type of yeah. any part of your body that's exposed, especially when you're crawling around, you know, the woods. But, um, you know, just how highly I I want to give praise for their customer service, and that's what I said as uh, I responded. I'm like, send them back, you know, <laughs> and uh, because I just was being funny, but you know, I was anxious to see what action was taken. Oh you know, yeah, somebody- I wasn't even yeah, I wasn't referring to yours. There was another. There was just you know a couple other people like just the whole you know they're just going to go way south in the negativity. No, um, I hey I yeah. get it because yeah. like you know personal things i'm i'm loyal to some of my brands because they've taken care of me like that yeah. but you know there's a lot of brands out there that i could easily see just that eh, you know they're big enough that they're like man you know, what's one customer that you know we can't make happy or their customer service or marketing department doesn't take care of you so super excited to hear that you know they essentially just hey and i think you said they might have just even had a bad batch you yeah know, put, they, yep, put it had, on them mm-hmm. here's our new ones you know glad you're a loyal game hog customer so that's that's awesome to hear yeah and you know what i got a uh nexon tire update too so i talked to my contact with nexon uh hopefully in a few weeks you're gonna see some new tires on route and we're gonna have have a nexon tire come on and uh, do an interview and we might have some things in store uh coming from them for our listeners and followers uh, of our social media and you know patreons you're going to get first dibs on a lot of these things with the aspect of you know we're probably going to start doing some giveaways and i also heard from uh factor 55 today we're going to bring them on hopefully next podcast do an interview with justin from factor 55 and you know, he's going to have probably some gift certificate to give away or something. You know, who doesn't want a gift certificate from Fat 55? I know uh, not too many people would turn something like that down. And we're going to we're going to be starting to do some things, man. Uh, Patreons, you're automatic. You guys are a Patreon. If you're not a Patreon, you need to be one. Um, you know, a dollar a month, you know, that helps the show, helps produce this show, helps do all the things, the equipment, all the things that go behind. This does not happen automatically. Um, and it helps actually market the show, help, you know, us gain more listeners. And we appreciate all our followers out there, but we would love to grow because we want to continue to grow this audience. We want to continue to grow our education, our message and help recruit, you know, people for the outdoors environment and get them off those couches. So Patreons, you know, you guys going to get automatic entries and a lot of things we're going to be doing giveaways, but other ways you're going to be entered. Or if you follow us, you're going to be entered. If you make comments, Hey, guess what? If you leave us a review on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, you're going to be entered. And guess what? We're not just talking about these couple brands. We got stuff from Vortex. Yep. We got stuff from uh, RCBS. You know, who doesn't want a cool reloader? You know what I'm saying? A quick grip. And we got some other things coming up your way. So I'm telling you guys, the the summer, we're going to be doing a kickoff. We're not going to let COVID hold us down. We're still going to be doing some cool things. You need to follow us. You need to subscribe to us. You need to lead us some reviews. We need more reviews, guys. We really want to see it. Um, we love those five-star reviews. We want your comments. But we need you to go ahead and send the message out there for other people to follow the Route 16 grind. And, uh, you know, just recently we put out the, uh, what, uh, hashtag Corona Hair Don't Care post, right? That was just recently, right, Ethan? 
That's right. Yeah, man. Uh, hey, check it out. We've had a couple of people respond, and we absolutely appreciate that. But not one of those people have hashtag root one six grind. So technically, we can't do the swag giveaway until we start seeing that. So we're going to keep that open for probably another couple of weeks and, and see what happens. But hey, man, Corona hair don't care. Hashtag send us your picture, your image with all your crazy hair, your roots, whatever you got going on. I know people are probably starting to get haircuts now. I just got mine yesterday right on. Um, so it could be an older picture, whatever. But, you know, just join in the fun. You know, hashtag Corona hair don't care. Hashtag root one six grind. Let us see it. Put it on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And, uh, you know, sometime we're going to announce a winner here on the podcast and we're going to send you a cool Route 16 uh, grind uh, swag pack and stuff. We're going to throw some other things in there from some cool brands as well. That's right, Brian. And uh, just to touch back on some of those, I'm going to be having some giveaways too from my side of things. Uh, I definitely have some, you know, field tested gear reviewed uh, archery equipment. I have some stuff my sponsors have sent me. So if you guys have something in mind that you want me to try to make happen, uh, please leave a review, send us an email, make a comment. Um, let me know what you guys might like from the outdoor hunting world. Maybe I can get some, uh, camo from one of my outdoor sponsors, something like that. I think you guys might like, um, yeah, but open to suggestions, leave a review, uh, let me know. And we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe this summer and, uh, yeah, Corona hair don't care. I, uh, I've seen it all over and people, (laughs) people are, uh, (laughs) I think people are kind of saddened that there's no, Hey, barbershops are starting to open up hair salons, some nail things. So I think there's definitely going to be a, a purge here of all the Corona hair, but it was, it went strong for a couple months, you know, and you know what these giveaways, it's not one of those things that, Hey, yes, we want you to tag your friends. We're going to definitely ask for some of that, but I'm sure right now we're going to ask for an action item. So an action item being like with this, uh, Corona hair don't care one that we talked about, about make sure you hashtag root one six grind. We're going to have an action item in there. If you do the action mine, you're going to get bonus entries too. Uh, we're going to make this fun. It's just not going to be like, Hey, you to do what everybody else does. We're going to make it fun because we want to make it fun for our followers. So we want you to enjoy this. So we got a pretty good idea for, uh, the first giveaway. It's going to probably be with factor 55. And, uh, yeah, man, you guys are going to, it's something that we can all enjoy and you have an opportunity to do it. Be creative, make it fun. Let's, let's be positive and, and, uh, let's, let's help promote this show too. Thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, all you have to do is go to root16.com and select contact and let us know your idea. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. Thanks for listening to the Root 16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, Sea State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. I like free stuff. Me too. Yeah!